Well, greetings and welcome to The Dividing Line. My name's James White. We're going to mess this all up today, I can assure you, um, because there's just, uh, it's been a long time since I did this. <laughs> and and uh, you got to get it all set up. You got to get it all wired right. And, and I'll, I'll forget something along the way. And Rich will have to text me and go, hey, no one can see you or um, they can't hear you or something. I don't know. Uh, the, all the little lights up there look right. Um, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. We are on the road. I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. <clears throat> Tomorrow morning, prayers appreciated, starting 1030 Central Standard Time. Uh, we'll be doing about, they've said about two hours of recording on the Ali Beth Stucky Show. Um, myself and, up. Oh, see, let's see, this looks good sounds good see, i'm i'm really nervous right now so you know whatever rich texts me i'm just gonna stop and lose my train of thought uh ali bastucky show two hours uh trent horn and i discussing uh i would assume given the format of the program and the type of listening audience it, it, we're just gonna we're gonna hit a lot of topics i i don't expect to be going overly in depth on any particular topic because how many topics are there to discuss? I do expect, to be honest with you, um, that there will be a fair amount of discussion of Pope Francis. <laughs> uh, I will make sure of that. Um, there has to be. I mean, it would be like the 800 pound elephant in the room never getting mentioned or getting the attention that an 800 pound elephant. 800-pound elephant's actually rather small. Um, okay, okay, the 18-foot elephant or whatever, however you want to put it, um, that's what that would be. Would be, you know, we, we're going to ignore the fact that when Roman Catholics attack Sola Scriptura, uh, what they're trying to do is to get you subject to the papacy. But they don't want to talk about this pope <laughs> for obvious reasons. You got Tucho Fernandez running around out there and the fun books he's written. Um, and <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure it's going to come up. But we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff. And I hope it's um, clear and helpful and uh, very interesting to everybody. Uh, that'll be tomorrow. And then Friday and Saturday night uh, will be the debates with uh, Trent Horn in uh, Houston at First Lutheran in, in Houston. And um, first one on Sola Scriptura, the second one on Purgatory. And uh, so the, uh, the trip begins um, pretty much so far so good. It, it, if you want to pray specifically, I really would like to be able to sleep laying down again. Um, <clears throat> I can't right now. Uh, I have to. Uh, I, I'm actually rather proud of <laughs> the, the arrangement of pillows and blankets I have created uh, on the bench at the kitchen table. Uh, in the RV to prop myself up so that I can sleep at night. Uh, I just have so much congestion in my lungs. I'm still riding. Um, I still can do that fairly well, but I, it just it just won't stop. So um, that's Im impacting your sleep. You know, you're driving hours and hours a day, and then if you can't sleep real well at night, it can sort of start getting to be a bit of a drag. So um, if you would pray for my uh, my health along those lines and other areas of, of health issues um, would be very, very useful because after the debates, 
Um, and I will be preaching, I'm sure it's this weekend. It could be the weekend later. I will have to double check my, my schedule um, in Houston. And um, then I'm headed for uh, Tullahoma and the Y Calvinism Conference, the debate with Jason, uh, Jason Breda. Uh, speaking at the conference there, recording some stuff with Jeffrey Rice. <clears throat> and then I head uh, over to Conway, and I have the Baptist Church Intensive. We're going to be doing a little something with that this, uh, in the program today. Uh, the next weekend, and uh, then back to Houston uh, via Lindale. I get to see Tom Buck briefly there speaking down in Tyler, uh, South Tyler, um, on, I think it's the Tuesday night, also on the subject of Roman Catholicism, and then uh, down to Houston and um, the debate on John 6 <clears throat> with Leighton Flowers on that uh, Thursday, and then one night off, and then Saturday, um, the Unitarian uh, debate with Dale Tuggy. And uh, then four days home, probably. Uh, I forget exactly how many days I've made it out to be, but I I end up wanting to get home so bad that I start doing really long trips. Problem is those really long trips make me really tired and that's really dangerous. And so I've got to try not to do that. And so there we go. Uh, so long trip, 35 days on the road. We've uh, been going. Most everything's still working real well. Um, I've got one little... There's a couple little things we sort of forgot to either look at or stuff or, or the stuff. When you're RVing, I'll be real, real brief. When you're RVing, there's, it's, it's like whenever you try to fix something that's intermittent, it's really hard to do. So I've got an intermittent leak on the hot water, the instant hot water feature on this unit. Sometimes it leaks, sometimes it doesn't. Um, We've had a guy come out to fix it, but it wasn't leaking. You can't fix a leak. You can't. You can't see. You can't find. You can't locate. Um, and the same way, we've got a little electrical thing for a couple plugs um, that one day it will pop off, and you can't can't use those plugs. And then you drive someplace, and then it's fine. <laughs> and it's all the movement. It's all the shaking. It's the banging around, and and. Uh, most people just don't realize how rough the roads are until you're pulling something down those roads. And then you start feeling it in a way that you, you don't uh, any, any, any other way. So, <clears throat> so far, so good. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, t today I, I, I managed to, we, we have a, a travel card that allows me to get diesel along with all the big trucks. A whole lot easier than trying to get into those car lanes. I can guarantee you that. And, um... I pulled into uh, a TA, which is my favorite place to go, and there were like four or five slots wide open. Man, that is so cool, because you get those big old pumps and those big old nozzles, and you can fill up a 32-gallon gas tank real fast. Um, of course, it gets up to 120 bucks real fast, too, so you might want to remember the travel fund at aomint.org, but um, yeah, it was in and out, just like... Uh, like nobody's business. I mean, I mean, literally faster than being at the car ones because the car ones just don't go that fast. They don't have that much pressure. Um, and uh, so it's it's always a good day when you get your fill up in and uh, and you're on your way fast. That's uh, just sort of how travel is. 
Now, it's interesting that I mentioned um, the uh, stuff with, uh, with Trent Horn and talking about, it's going to come up. We're going to be debating Sola Scriptura. Um, Roman Catholicism is in crisis right now. Uh, there is a crisis going on, and uh, believing honest Roman Catholics recognize it. Uh, the Pope-splainers are just trying to deny it. Uh, but Francis is a crisis for the Church. Uh, Tucho Fernandez is a crisis for the Church. And um, this, is, this isn't, and, and the real crisis is, this is just the beginning. This, this isn't, this isn't going to end. Um, you know, there, I, I guess there's some people that sort of think, well, once we get a new Pope, everything's going to be great. Uh, and if he's to the left of this guy, um, it's only going to accelerate. And, and all the people put in the key places of authority, they're ready to keep pushing for LGBTQ inclusion and the whole leftist stuff. And the problem is, if you own the papacy, then you own the interpretive mechanisms of Roman Catholicism. I've told the story many, many times for years ago, probably 20 years ago. Um, John Paul II said something, and I, I wrote an article. It was early, early in the blog days. I think we started blogging in 04, if I recall correctly. <clears throat> it may not have been called that, but that's what it was. We did, we did, we did webcasting and podcasting before there were pods. Um, and I contrasted what John Paul II said with what a pope had said, I don't know, in the 1400s, somewhere along those lines. <clears throat> and uh, Bob Sinjanis, uh wrote to me and basically said, who are you to interpret what the church has said in the past? Only the church can do that. Well, that's, um, that's real interesting, especially since I, I'm not sure he'd still believe that, <laughs> given um, the perspectives that he has, he has taken on certain issues. Um, but... Once you go there, there's no turning back. Once you give to the church that charism of infallibility to the point where, you know, it, it, it's just so painfully clear that from 1100 to 1400, the Roman church was saying, you need to be in communion with the Bishop of Rome to have salvation, period. Unum Sanctum, said it straight out. Um, real clear. And now they don't say that. They've changed. They've changed their, their perspective. They've changed their view. Oh, by the way, the East was saying the same thing about the West that time and blah, blah, blah. But anyway. And once you give that authority to the church, there's no reformation. There can't be. There can't be. You can look back. Rome has taught capital punishment, gift of God to the state to protect people from evildoers. A few years, just a few years ago, Catholic Catechism. I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure. Is this? A, I, I need to double check this. Um. Man, that small print. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is the new one. Bummer. Uh, Catholic Catechism. If I had the absolutely current edition of it, um, says it's always sinful. It's always sinful to take human life, even if it's someone who walks into a classroom and blows away twenty-four eight-year-olds uh, with a handgun. Uh, nope. That person deserves to be taken care of, and who knows, maybe even deserves uh, gender transition surgery, uh, hormone therapies, uh, three squares a day, um, whole nine yards. Just now we get to take care of them. It's ridiculous. It's unbiblical. It's uncivilized. But that's where we are. And so um, there is a crisis going on. And so I... This is all tied together, believe it or not. Uh, Chris Honholtz um, is, is a brother for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect. Um, we will get him to watch Elf someday, but till then, um, uh, he's, he's a great brother, and he, he's, he, he has survived the ribbing that I, I and others give him, and it's all a sign of love. He knows that. Of course, after about 18 life-size cutouts of, of Buddy the Elf, he might start questioning that. But anyway, Chris Honholtz. Oh, man, somebody started cooking food around me. I'm in an RV park, and someone's making something that smells delicious. Um, there's a Cane's down the road, too. So when we're done here, <laughs> see you later. Um, anyways, love Cane's. Love, love, love Cane's. Um, Chris Honholtz, we'll get back to the story here, uh, wrote uh, a really good article on Twitter, and I imagine he posted it on blog someplace. <coughs> Excuse me. That's the kind of <coughs> post I would steal and, with his permission and, and post on the Theology Matters blog at amn.org, but I haven't asked yet. He addressed the he gets us stuff. And we've been, everyone's been seeing these he gets us things. As they started, I don't know what about a year and a half ago. I forget exactly when they started, and and I guess the Hobby Lobby people are behind it or something, as well as a lot of people that aren't even Christians, um, don't even believe Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, I'm not sure why they're doing what they're doing, but there you go. And uh, so, let me see here. You know, we have two cameras, and this camera obviously feels unloved, <laughs> unwanted, uh, and so I'll, I'll use it. Um, what Chris wrote is is what I would say, and he wrote he said it very, very well, and so I, I repeated that. I, I reposted it and said, hey, here you go. This is exactly what I think about the, he gets this stuff, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's an unbiblical um diminishment of Christ and his claims uh it it's meant to try to get people to not consider the claims of Christ but to so water down the claims of Christ that they'll they'll feel more comfortable with Jesus and and stuff like that i mean i would the way i would put it i would add to the statement it, it's a massive demonstration of not trusting the Spirit of God. All these, every time 
churches go running after the world and running after worldly methodologies and oh, all this stuff that Protestia has been posting about people kicking the Bible through field goals into the audience and, and all the the Super Bowl stuff. I didn't even find out till this morning who won the Super Bowl. I went to bed before uh, before all that yesterday. Though, I must say, watching the recap, wow. <laughs> that was... Um, there have been some real stinkers out there, some real boring ones. At least it wasn't that. Um, and you got to say to both sides, wow, what a war. Uh, that could have gone either way, and, and everybody knows it. So that's, that was, that was uh, actually quite good. But anyway, um, all this Super Bowl stuff and what you're doing is you're demonstrating you don't trust the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to accomplish what has been promised in Scripture. You just don't. You start using all this other stuff that just gets in the way. And so I posted, I reposted Chris Honholt's uh, tweet, long article, and Cernovich, Cernovich, I've, I've had a few back and forth a little bit. Uh, Cernovich responded to what I said. And um, here's what he said. He said, Protestants believe they read the Bible and can have their own interpretation. They're also sola scriptura. How they can, how they can, I think it's supposed to be then, question the he gets us ad. Without a pope or other final authority or spiritual father, it's just people quoting Bible verses back and forth. Now, I'm sure I'm not going to get that from Trent Horn, because Trent Horn's a smart guy. And Trent Horn knows that that is, that, that Cernovich does not understand Sola Scriptura, clearly has no knowledge, has never read <clears throat> for example, um, Institutes of Christian Religion, uh, anything by Warfield or Machen, um, anything like this at all. Um, and so it's, it's embarrassingly bad. Um, Protestants believe they read the Bible. Yes, we, we do read the Bible. And can have their own interpretation. Well, you mean we can do everything in our power to interpret Scripture as the authors intended it to be interpreted, which you guys aren't doing anymore. Okay? Give me an example. I'll give you an example. Capital punishment. Okay? Capital punishment. There is a clear and compelling biblical case to be made. And you can make the apostolic argument that the apostles... Paul, Paul himself said, if I've done anything worthy of death, I'm not going to object to it. Okay? You guys are the ones not doing it. You, you, want, you want to see an example? You, you want another example of that? Bodily assumption of Mary. Want another example of that? Infallibility of the Pope. Want another example of that? Immaculate conception. I can keep going. Indulgences, we can keep going. Okay? So, we're the ones who go, we need to believe in Scripture alone, and all of Scripture. Sola Scriptura and Toda Scriptura. And that means that there are only a small range of interpretive methodologies available to you to honor that text, so that when you do stand before the people of God and say, Thus saith the Lord, it's actually the Lord speaking and not just you. 
That's why you have to do serious exegesis. Um, and so, then he says, they are also sola scriptura. Clearly, Cernovich has no idea what sola scriptura actually means, which is unfortunate, but not uncommon in, in, any, in any way. He says, how can they then question the he gets us at? That's simple. We have an unchanging standard of apostolic witness and testimony in the God-inspired scriptures. That's how. And the he gets us ads are not limited by that. Their source and origin is not scripture. And certainly not the, the worldview of the scriptures. Without a pope or other final authority or spiritual father, it's just people quoting Bible verses back and forth. Really? Really? Have you read any of the interviews with the bishops who attended the synod and synodality recently? Have you read the bishops who've told us that the people the pope sent to talk to them, to lecture them like they've never studied theology before, and to talk to them about how important it is to embrace LGBTQ inclusivity? What that was based on? It wasn't based on Scripture. It can't be based on Scripture. Scripture's clear on that subject. Or how about the statement just within the past, I think, 72 hours? Might have been one day more than that. Now that I'm, you know, some traveling, I could be wrong about that. But Either the day I left or the day after, I saw a quote from Francis talking about fiducia supplicants. We'll just call it FS, the <clears throat> infamous statement, undoubtedly written by Tucho Fernandez, the head of the dicastery, the, the man who is the modern version of the head of the Inquisition, Okay who himself says he's way to the left of Francis. Take, take that and think about that a second. And in the interview, Francis said he's not saying, he, when he gives a blessing, he's not blessing a homosexual marriage. And of course, if the man has any relationship to the apostles at all, he should say, because there is no such thing as a homosexual marriage. Marriage is between one man, one woman. And that's not because the church has always said that. It's because Jesus said that. Matthew chapter 19. That's the reason. And when you shift it from Matthew chapter 19 to the church says it, then the church gets to change it. The church gets to change it. That's the danger. When you reject solo scriptura, that's what happens. But then he said this. He says, I'm not blessing a homosexual marriage. I'm blessing two individuals who are in love with each other. I, I was like, there you go. There you go. And, and, you know, when you think about it, um, this shouldn't shock us. 
Um, I'm, Chris is Chris Hans Holtz has got, says he got a bunch of this stuff when he posted his thing, and I've already gotten it some for reposting his thing. You know, you're a Pharisee, and you know we're just trying to reach out to people. Blah 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 blah. All the rest of this stuff. There are a tremendous number of very biblically weak Christians in the world today. When I say biblically weak, what I mean is they do not have a foundation in a firm acceptance and belief and submission to Scripture. <clears throat> As such, they are, they are susceptible to worldly thinking and worldly ways of doing things. A person who wishes to operate based upon the fundamental teachings of Scripture as a whole cannot identify a homosexual relationship as being loving. Now here's where all sorts of people I know just, they light their hair on fire and start running around in circles. Hear me out. Think. See, we we have, in our modern context, we have become so romanticized, so emotionalized, that love is simply a feeling. And you cannot dare question that someone has intense feelings for someone else. Now, there are people who've gotten married to trees and dogs and they have, well, there's people marrying um, mannequins, sex dolls, robots, um, all sorts of stuff like that. And there are literally people who will go, well, why not? As long as you love. And you would think, you would think that Christians would be people who would go, huh, is there a definition of love maybe in the Bible? Does, does, does God give us definitions of love? What's the greatest command? You're to love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love can be commanded. Love is commanded. You are to love your neighbors yourself, husbands that love their wives. And those are covenantal commitments that can result in wonderful feelings. But anyone who's been married for more than three weeks knows that those emotions wax and wane. And they can become deeper and more abiding and fuller, but they're not nearly as puppyish and palpitating as you get older. I, I think you see love very clearly. I, I love Fiddler on the Roof. Tevya and his wife. And you see that that's not... And this is, of course, what 
problem that has developed with with, mar with marriage is if I don't have those feelings anymore, I'm going to go try to find them someplace else. Rather than recognizing uh, what real love is. And so, as Christians, we should recognize that there can be love between two men. Um, you can see love for example, on the battlefield, the bond that is forged. Um, there's some, been some great um, movies and things about what happens when you're facing death with other men and how people have um, been, been bound together in a relationship. Um, there's a, there's, I haven't, I've only seen parts of it. Um, but this, what's called masters of the air right now, is that HBO or I don't know who's putting it out, but anyways, it's about the B-17 bombing of Europe during world war II. One of my, uh, lifelong areas of reading and study. And I, 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 I built a B-17 once even put all the little machine guns in there which for me at that age was amazing. Um, and <clears throat> those bomber crews going up and, and fighting together and knowing the, the, the tremendous possibilities of their not coming back. And it can be just instant, just boom. You know, one, one flak shot, 188 hits right where it needs to. And, and the whole fortress goes up in flames and that that's it you're falling to the ground maybe on fire i mean it's oh it was it was amazing what people did back then and i would say i don't think the united states could ever do that again the worldview of those men had way more christian definition of service to others than anybody's got left today but there would be situations where there's love, but it's not sexual love. It's not romantic love. It's not marriage love. That's special. That's different. That's unique. And that is clearly defined for us in Scripture. And Pope Francis is wrong, as can be wrong, to call the lust or the self-serving emotion that exists between two homosexuals, whether male or female. Love in a Christian sense. It's not. It's self-destructive. Read 1 Corinthians 13. If you read Paul's definition of love in 1 Corinthians 13, and then you look at the homosexual relationship, and you realize it's... It's narcissistic. You're loving a mirror image of yourself. You're not doing what's best for that person. You're doing what's best for you. It's self-motivated. It's self-focused. So it's evil. It's sinful. It's wrong. And the Pope thinks it's love. The Pope is wrong because the Pope's not a biblicist. The Pope is not, is not informed by Scripture. He thinks... He rules over it. Now, 
Well, Francis is a liberation theologian. And so I would agree with a conservative Roman Catholic, and I feel sorry for you guys, given what you're facing right now, but I would agree with a conservative Roman Catholic that he's not even at that point following the church's tradition, to use the Roman Catholic phraseology. He's not. He's not. And that's why I've said more than once, and we'll say it again a few times this week, in the year 1600, in Italy, the Roman Catholic Church would have burned Tucho Fernandez and Pope Francis at the stake for many reasons, for lots of reasons. It would have. There's no question about it. That's how much has changed. But that's how much there's nothing you can do about it as a Roman Catholic. So back to the Cernovich uh, tweet, without a pope, really, or other final authority. Well, he's your final authority, so I guess you've just got to, you got to roll with whatever, whatever he says, right? Whatever, you know, uh, if, if Francis lives long enough to take the next step beyond FS, um, if he lives long enough to make fundamental changes, and it's not like it happens overnight. It's not like, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and establish same-sex marriage. No, it's done. How has it been done in every Protestant denomination where it's happened? It's taken one step at a time. You start with the blessings. You start by sneaking open the door. And then it doesn't take long until, yeah, you end up having that acceptance. And look. If he's the final authority, as Cernovich says, and the Pope says, you know what? Uh, we've just always misunderstood apostolic tradition. So we're going to emphasize these inclusive passages. And then we're going to interpret these others in a different way. That's what he did with capital punishment. And there was a bishop, and I need to find this. I, it's, it's going to take forever. I, I, I think I know how I can track it down. But back during the Synod and Synodality, and by the way, this is one thing I will put out the, the request because I've just got so many other debates and stuff coming up. If there's somebody out there during the period of the Synod and Synodality, was, what was that, October? Was that September, October? It was in that time frame. The, the week of those meetings and the week after, there was a... And it was, I think it was at the Synod itself, one of the bishops on Francis's side of things, on the progressivist side of things, was uh, being uh, interviewed. And when he was asked, is it even possible that the church could change its stand on LGBTQ inclusion? Um his response, and I, I, I've me I mentioned it at the time, I quoted it, I've even tried using our transcript thing to see if I could track it down, I couldn't, but his response was to point to the change in the capital punishment concept within Roman Catholicism. If we can change that, then we can change this. 
I'd like to know what bishop it was. I'd like to find that that quote uh, because it was it was out there. I mentioned it, and I can't find it anywhere. And if there's somebody out there that either knows or would be willing to do some digging around, um, please um, contact us um, once you find it or something like that. Get hold of Rich or something. Um, hit me up on Twitter or whatever else it might be um, uh, because I want to have that uh, that particular quote. I remember it very clearly. It's, it's there. It's just <sighs> difference between sleeping and looking for it. <laughs> And the sleep I need for other reasons. <clears throat> so, when Cernovich tells us these types of things, it just tells me he has, he's not even thinking. He has no earthly idea uh, what we believe, why we believe it. And um, there you go. Yeah, here, here. by the way, here's, um, yeah, the guy who went after me, um, a guy named James Meredith, um, he says, the third commandment exists for a number of reasons, as the prophets taught us. The name of Jesus Christ has been mischaracterized and worse by people who profess him but love the world, trust in politics, etc. You've got this completely backwards. Well, Mr. Meredith, you're the one that's got completely backwards. If you can look at the stuff these people are putting out and go, yeah, that's biblical, then I don't know what biblical you're looking at. My standard is the Bible, sir. Um, he says, some of you folks would have condemned Paul on Mars Hill for not explicitly declaring that the gods of the Athenians were false and probably for complimenting their religiosity too. Stop fighting and start proclaiming Jesus to a hurting world that is utterly ignorant of him. You have to tell them the truth about Jesus. When Paul was on Mars Hill, Mr. Meredith, have you read Acts 17.39? Have you read what the end of his sermon was? He said that God has fixed a day in which he's going to judge the world in righteousness by a man that he has appointed, and he's given evidence to the entire inhabited world by raising him from the dead. Judgment was where he went, and it ended his sermon. They stopped him. They didn't want to hear it. You don't have the apostle's perspective. No, sir. You have been deceived, Mr. Meredith. Whoever, wherever you are, I don't know who you are. It says, Christian writer, editor, runner, North Dakota native transplanted in Springfield, Missouri. Well, brother, indefensible. Indefensible. All there is to it. All there is to it. Um, yeah, he said, he said, this was the first thing he said to me. There's nothing woke or SJW about the Green family at the center of this. It's an effort to connect with the lost in a post-Christian world. Spirit of God can't do that? The word of God's insufficient? There's no word of God in this stuff. Whose only impression of Jesus has been distorted by partisan politics and bad practices. Don't cast stones, be a light. <laughs> well, <clears throat> if you want to show me where the apostles did what you're doing. And we just demonstrated in Acts 17, you've completely misunderstood what the apostles were doing there too, what Paul was doing there. You please go ahead. Um, but we don't need heresy. And we don't need a Jesus who is fitting into, well, you know, the ad on the Super Bowl, you know, washing everybody's feet. Um, no, that's not what he was doing. 
I mean, this is just this is just horrific twisting of scripture. And you can you can try to claim all the best motives in the world. Um, fundamentally, you're just not believing the Spirit of God can build the church the way he has all along. Every gadget idea, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. <clears throat> all right. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on uh, on Twitter that I really can't look at right now uh, because uh, then I'll forget how to do all the stuff that I'm doing right now. All right. I have... Uh, Kept saying we're going to do this, so I've got 20 minutes, and <laughs> every once in a while i got to sort of <clears throat> put myself back where I need to be. Um, day for yesterday, I listened to <clears throat> excuse me, Carl Truman. I didn't bring my cough button, button by the way. should have, and I could have used it. Um, I even see how I could have hooked it up. Uh, Carl Truman was on with Al Mohler talking about a revision of a book he's just put out. And they're talking about creeds and confessionalism. And the vast majority of what was said, I'm like, yeah, mm, okay, yeah. Yeah, we agree about that. Mm -mm. <clears throat> but this section that we are actually at in listening to Carl Truman's address to the Classical Theology Society meeting that we started looking at a couple weeks ago, also came up. He repeated this exact same material. And I just want to be consistent because now I'm talking about a, a believing Westminster Presbyterian, but I'm talking about the same stuff I was just talking about in regards to the Pope. What do I mean? Well, let's listen to uh, this section and you'll see, hopefully, what's, what's going on here. Um, and hopefully this is going to work, and here we go. I was very helped in this by uh, the essay by the Catholic theologian Bernard Lonergan, discussing mapping out the way theology moves towards the Nicene formulation. And he makes a very interesting point there. He essentially says, you know, the formulation of doctrine is a dialectical process. Sounds a bit Hegelian. It may well have been influenced a bit by Hegel, I don't know. But what he means by that is that every time the church resolves a theological problem, it puts in place a set of concepts that are then used to solve the next problem. Or maybe are then used to solve the problem that those concepts initially throw up. Good example of this would be the move from the late 4th to the 5th century in terms of discussion of Christology. Once the Council of Constantinople has set the terms of the Nicene Creed, the Christological discussions of the next century operate with those categories. And then you know, every time an ecumenical group make a statement, they kind of reaffirm all we're teaching is what was actually implicit at Nicaea. It's actually more complicated than they thought, but essentially, doctrine develops, formulations of truth develop dialectically. Okay, now, um, let, let me give you the classical th theology guys, and we're all classical theologians, as long as we're not open theists, but um, the guys that are pushing the uh, Thomistic resourcement. 
they want to focus on the theology proper. They want to focus on simplicity and inseparable operations and a lot of speculative stuff that goes way beyond anything the apostles ever taught. Um, and, and they want to say, well, this is, this is development of theology. This is a better expression. Okay. Let's let, let's put that aside for a second. When you're looking at the development of the doctrine of purgatory, you have the exact same process. You have purgatory and doing debate at the end of this week, uh, on that subject. Purgatory is a concept that does not reach its final dogmatic form until about 100 and 150 years or so after Aquinas dies. He certainly believes in purgatory. He supports it, teaches it, uh, all the rest of that stuff. But it is dogmatically defined. The stuff that comes together to form it as it develops over the centuries is fascinating. I, I have the book down there somewhere, but I, I didn't bring it up here. A couple books uh, from Roman Catholic authors on the history of purgatory and the development of eschatology in the early church, stuff like that. And what you see are, are, are many different views expressed by a number of different people. But certain people start bringing things in that at least most Protestants would admit are coming from outside the biblical witness. So, for example, Pope Gregory the Great, very important person in the development of what would become the doctrine of purgatory. Um, much of his teaching on that subject that becomes foundational came from visions of other people that he himself didn't even have. His interpretation of visions that other people reported to him. Uh, coming out of Alexandria, you have Cyril and, not, not Cyril, um, Clement, Clement of Alexandria, and then Origen, who have concepts of purgation and cleansing. Now, of course, Origen was an ultimate universalist. Um, but they had real influence, especially in the development of the Desert Fathers and monasticism. And even someone that we would look up to in so many ways, like Athanasius, was deeply influenced by that Desert Father monasticism, and it influenced his theology. And it was an important element in the development of the doctrine of purgatory. Now, we as Protestants, we sit back and go, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. When you have non-apostolic, clearly separated from any concept of, of, of apostolic, a deposit of faith from the apostles. Okay, Rome says there's this stuff the apostles taught. It's not contained in the New Testament, and that's what we're drawing from. Okay, it's very plain that so much of this stuff had no connection to the apostles at all. None. You, you, you just can't make that argument. 
and if you do, you're just you're just doing it because you you're desperate for something else. There's, certainly, scripture doesn't teach this stuff, and so you got to find it someplace. And so, we Protestants go. We we, are, we have no reason to accept that. We have no reason to accept these concepts whatsoever, and we reject them, and therefore reject the theological conclusions that come from it. So we can all sit back and join together and go, yeah, okay. Um, that that's that's how you have to. If you believe in the sola scriptura, you know this is what Luther's doing in regards to justification. Um, and in, and other things, and, and he didn't finish that work. It's something that people after him had to continue with Calvin and then second generation, third generation, especially the Marian stuff and things like that. So we recognize that when there are factors that then influenced a council that then made conclusions based upon that input of these external things, that you have to filter that out. You have to be willing to say, no, that that's just that's just wrong. That that that's inappropriate. But we can't do that in theology. Theology proper, right? Can't do that. It's as if we we sit here and go, when it comes to theology proper and Christology, Basil, the Gregories were never influenced by anything outside of Scripture. And if you know them, look, look, if, if you have respect for Basil, Gregory Nazianzus, Gregory of Nyssa, if you, Athanasius, clearly, and you read them as a Protestant, you will see them saying all sorts of things where you go, eh, well, hmm. And you recognize that's not coming from Scripture. That's not coming from the apostolic witness. With Athanasius, that's, that's coming from the monastic tradition. You know, he's hiding out with the Desert Fathers while the Romans are chasing him. And we all go, yeah, remember when the Romans were rowing one way and he's going the other way? He's not far away. We're all like, woo, this is great. It's wonderful. Who's he with? He's with the monks. Okay. Do they have theological beliefs that are already in the third century wildly unbiblical? They do. Is he influenced by that? Yep, he was. So was Gregory, Nazianzus, Nisa. Basil, um, they all were. And we sit here and pretend that we can filter all that stuff out when it comes to purgatory or wacky, wild doctrines of human sexuality and marriage and all the rest of the stuff that we, we've just, we've grown beyond all that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when it comes to Christology and theology proper, they were absolutely unaffected by anything going on around them. Well, they weren't. They were affected by it. So how do you identify those things? When Augustine lets his Neoplatonism influence his theological formulations, when the Council of Chalcedon is 
is getting letters from Leo, but they're also getting stuff. You know, they're, they're trying to hold together and failed massively, really. But they're trying to hold together the uh, originists and the people from this area over here and that area. And they're, they're trying to put all this stuff together and come up with a statement that is, is politically derived in many ways. Now, we can look at it and we can try. One of the biggest papers I wrote in seminary was um, the Trinity, the definition of Chalcedon, and oneness theology. 1988? Yeah, be right now, right around 88, maybe early 89, but I think it was <coughs> 88. And, you know, I'm dealing with oneness folks. And so I'm taking the Chalcedonian creed and i'm rooting it in scripture i'm going this is where scripture teaches this part and this part and this part and this is why we're putting this together because i'm already dealing with oneness guys and i'm already defending the doctrine of the trinity and doing stuff like that but at the same time we just simply have to be honest there were times when that language that was being used didn't derive from a necessary exegetical conclusion it was to keep that group from hacking up that group. And should we be aware of that? Should we be bound by technical terminology in that context? We're not about purgatory. We're not about soteriology. We're not about ecclesia. All that other stuff over there, we all go, oh yeah, no, 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 no. But this is the one area where, yeah, 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 yeah. So with what Carl said, um, he says they, they put in place the terminology to answer the next questions coming along. What if there's something that's... Um, okay, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use the RV here. Um, okay, right out my window, I can see another RV across the way. And it's an older kind. And you'll see people pull in with these. And they have these scissors jacks. And so the guy has to get out. And he has these stacks of wood, this little flat piece of wood. He puts it down there. And then he takes a drill and, and, he, and he puts these things down. And then he's got a level. And, and you've got to even it out this direction and then this direction, both ways. Okay? <clears throat> now, I don't have to do that. Thank you. Um, I. Pulled in here, and since I've got to go someplace tomorrow, for the first time, disconnected the truck, pulled the truck out of the way, <clears throat> and then there's a button. Auto level. And so it, it gets it so that it's flat this way, and then it puts down the rear jacks, and then it's... It takes, I don't know, two, three minutes. I can't get in or anything like that during that time period. Because it's leveling the whole thing out so that it's sitting flat. And I don't have to have a power drill and stacks of wood and stuff like that. It's wonderful. It's great. I've watched these guys struggle. Because they'll do an initial leveling. And they're just, they're off just a little bit on one of the jacks. And they'll be at it forever. Because 
once you're off on that one thing, you know, Rich builds all this stuff. I could never build all the stuff that Rich builds. <clears throat> when you have to, when you're doing woodworking and stuff like that, and you're trying to put something together, you got to measure all of it right. And if you get one thing wrong, especially down toward the bottom, it's, it's, see, if, if Rich had a microphone right now, if I was in the studio, the Rich cam would be on and we'd be getting, we'd be getting a lecture. <laughs> measure twice, cut once. I've heard him say that. He says it to himself. He talks to himself a lot while working on things. Um, but you get the idea, especially if it's down here at the bottom. You're off just a little bit and everything else is impacted. So what if you've got terminology that is used? And it, it, it sounds great at the time. It sounds like it's going to do what it needs to do and it's going to hold this group together. And, that's what and it's off just this much. And then you use it for the next question. And now you're off this much. And then this much. And then this much. And a thousand years later, you're off this much. And you see, we have a divine level. It's called scripture. We have a divine level. But if we're not willing to use it, because we've exalted the language, and we know in all these other areas, we're consistent and go, nope, nope, purgatory, nope, nope, nope. Indulgences, nope, nope, nope. But that's how they developed. Off a little bit, off a little bit, off a little bit, off a little bit. Huh, 1400s, you got purgatory and indulgences. Oh, how'd that happen? A little bit at a time. So how do we, how do we defend our Christological definitions in such a way that they will remain relevant a thousand years in the future? Hmm? How do you do that? I submit to you, Scripture. Because it's going to be the same a thousand years from now. It won't have changed. You see? That's my concern, folks. It's been my concern from the beginning. From the start. That's what I've been concerned about. That's what I've tried to say over and over and over again. Part of the reason that I hear this, the wackiest, craziest things. People are like, you believe this, and you believe, what are you talking about? Is because people don't listen to the program and really follow through with what I'm saying. They hear somebody else repeating what they thought they heard. And that's how it can end up being slanderous down the road. But there's my concern. I was going to get, we only have a few minutes of this thing left. And I went off and did all that. Um, but hey, that's that's the way it is. So I do not know what the schedule looks like, but it looks to me like um, Thursday is going to work fairly well. <clears throat> I'll be set up in, in Houston, and we should be able to um, get a program in there. I hope we have we have, the internet, the internet connection we have right now. Um, wirelessly is astonishing. <laughs> I had never seen a speed test. I, what did I say? It was 572 megabits down um, wirelessly. Um, it's like, whoa, okay. Must be near a really good tower. Um, may not have that once I get to Houston. I don't know, but we'll definitely be shooting to do that. I know I'm, I'm doing the provoked program on Wednesday night, uh, travel day to get down there. 
So uh, the debates, again, are Friday and Saturday. Uh, prayers appreciated. Um, we, I'm going to finish this thing up. I'm going to, I'm going to mark this block right here. So I know where we are so we can <clears throat> start right there. And, uh, that'll help us to, to do that. Um, but I appreciate you know, your patience and, um, you're listening today. And I really hope, I think we covered some massively important stuff today. And believe it or not, there's really only been one primary topic today on this program. And, and I hope you heard it. All the criticisms uh, that I had in regards to Francis, stuff like that, this is all of one thing. The sufficiency of Scripture. The, the, the character of Scripture. The gift that Scripture is to us. I just know that all the Christians that I know of who have remained true across their lives, have remained consistent and stable. They all had one thing in common. They could read the 119th Psalm and their heart would beat along with it. Their love of the Word would be consistent throughout their entire lives. And that's been my concern all along. That's where we're coming from. That's where we've always been coming from. And uh, so once again, I'll just mention to make uh, Rich happy because <clears throat> he's the one that sees all this stuff. Okay. When I, you know, I pulled into that uh, TA today and I only had to do $80 worth because it, I was only down to about half a tank. Um, and, uh, but I'm sitting there excited that I can get that diesel fuel in there that fast. He's the one that gets the bill <laughs> at the end of the day. And so, uh, he would want me to tell you, as I would want to tell you, that there is a, a travel fund link at aomin.org uh, that you can donate to um, that will help us to continue to do these things and pay for this park that I'm in. I think it was like 49 bucks a night or something like that. It's better than a hotel. Um, and that all comes out of the travel fund, and that's how we, we get places uh, these days. So uh, pray for us, and... Um, Appreciate your listening. I hope I do this right as we get out of here. Uh, but uh, got to make sure I've got the... I don't want to play some other song for you here as we get going. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get a little more smooth as we do it again. <laughs> Thanks for watching the program today. We'll see you next time. Uh, and uh, God bless.